This episode is sponsored by the One Membership by Template Monster. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the HTML All The Things podcast, episode number 70, Stop Learning, Start Coding. I'm your host, Matt Lawrence, and uh, I'm alone again today, but it's not because Mike isn't back. He is actually back. It's just a matter of... We weren't sure what the timing and the jet lag and the workload and stuff was going to be upon his return. So I decided to just do another solo episode because this is a topic that has come up a, a couple times in the past couple of weeks and I really wanted to discuss it. But before we jump into this, if you've been enjoying the podcast so far and want to support us, there are a couple of ways that you can do that. You can review us on Apple Podcasts or on the podcast platform that you're listening to this on. You can also check us out on that Patreon. That's patreon.com slash HTML, all the things. We only have a couple of tiers right now, but the $3 tier will give you a shout out in the podcast and we will share a link to your website in our show notes. And probably the most important one is just to tell your friends, share this, get this out there, tell everybody that we are here and we're ready to be listened to. And if you're ready to go a step further, you can join us on our Discord server. Discord server is well over 200 members now. We even have some moderators, so congratulations to those folks that got promoted, I guess. Um, I don't know whether you consider it a promotion in a Discord server, or if it's like a rank up, or... We should come up with like terminology for our Discord server, but anyway... Uh, congratulations to those moderators uh, for being promoted. Hopefully that's the right term as such. However, uh, I want to jump in here. Uh, I have a weekly pain point. I have a bunch of uh, segments, but I do not have a web news, of course, because, you know, it's just me. So I can't really have a conversation slash debate about something with it's just me. But um, my weekly pain point this week is communication chains breaking down. Now, I think I've touched on this or maybe even had this as a weekly pain point a few weeks ago. But we have this ridiculous communication chain that I'm going to discuss here it's like it's it's like i have to call this person so they can call this other person in another team so that that person can call this other person to let this person know that some information is needed and i'm obviously being ambiguous because i don't want to give away you know the company name and stuff like that but it is uh it's a weird chain of communication that is just not working well and as like and that's not a knock against them that's a knock against communication chains if you can talk more directly to somebody that you need to talk to that is 100% better 1000% of the time it is way better to talk to who you need to talk to rather than talk to this person that refers to this person that blah 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 etc etc but anyway here um i do have an introduction to this episode it's a bit of a preface that i'm going to use to explain what i'm going to be talking about and then i have a few segments here so the first one is stop learning so that's a that's a question there's a question mark in there that the next one is why should we stop learning the next one is when do i stop learning and then the last one is, is academic learning bad? So my introduction to this is going to be that this podcast will be reflecting um, on my personal experiences becoming a UI developer, uh, as well as helping others through their pathway from newbie through professional. Uh, much of this advice could be applied, however, to other positions like backend developers, IT professionals, other related fields, of course, and beyond that, so just other random fields. Um, but the focus will be, of course, on web development uh, and more specifically my side of things, so the UI development sort of thing, sort of side of things. So with that being said... Um, the next segment, or the I guess it's the first segment past the introduction, is stop learning. So what do I mean by stop learning? So at my college graduation, they made it very clear by and they literally just stated it over and over again that they that we should never stop learning despite having graduated or currently at that time graduating from our academic programs. 
This logic holds true, as there's no way an academic program of any kind is going to be able to cover absolutely everything that you might encounter out in the field. And with that said, there's no way that they could stay up to date with something as fast as moving, or as, as fast moving as tech. So like tech is just ripping through the door in the first place. So just a little brief synopsis into this. Um, the only real smartphones I saw on mass in college were Blackberries, and the very, very rarely did I see Apple phones. When I got to my fourth semester, I believe it was, it was Samsung Galaxy Nexus. That was like sort of that era. So I believe that's the first Nexus phone. And it was Android Central. Of course, some iPhones in there, but we're all kind of techie. So we all had Androids for the most part. So you can literally just see an entire empire. So the BlackBerry empire kind of disappear from the popularity of our uh, college group. And not, not just my social group. I mean... Like, if you look in the lecture hall, you would see Blackberries everywhere for the first semester or two. And then a couple of years later, it's just like, oh, everyone's using random Android phones. So tech moves damn fast, and there's no way an academic institution is going to be able to keep up with that, of course. So with all that being said, all that preface there, I'll call I'll call learning, like, when I refer to this, I'm going to refer to it as academic learning. So academic learning is what I call the thing when you sit down and read you sit down and watch, or you just sit there and study, or I guess you could stand if you have a standing desk or whatever, about a given topic to learn the basics and beyond. So you're just kind of learning the theory, you're reading up on it, you're watching tutorials, but you're not actually doing anything with it. And that true test comes from when you have to actually use those skills to create or to do something. Now, when I say, quote-unquote, stop learning, I'm not referring to literally stopping learning altogether. I'm referring to ditching the academic learning part of things. It's generally when you've reached that study overload point and it's time to start applying those skills that you've learned, even though uh, there will inevitably be huge holes in your knowledge. And I'm going to touch on this throughout the episode for like to clarify and to explain. Now, when it comes to something like UI development and really every other career that I can think of, it becomes obvious that the learning curve never really goes away. You may have created 100 website UIs over the past five years, but have you used Tailwind CSS yet? And that's always a question mark that comes up. If you're a developer that goes to a bunch of different social events, so different maybe meetups or different startup events if you're an entrepreneur or different freelancer events if you're a freelancer, and you you talk to other developers, there are people with cr- like crazily different procedures than you. And those people are maybe masters of their trade. So maybe they're the master of WordPress or they're the master of Tailwind CSS or they're the master of this. But maybe let's say you're talking to a person that's a master of WordPress and you only use Bootstrap. You are the master of Bootstrap in that domain. And that person probably has no idea how to use Bootstrap at all. And they don't know how to use Tailwind. Maybe you do, etc. right? So everyone's kind of has their own wheelhouse. And that's sort of how, that's sort of how learning gaps come into play. There's so much out there that there's no way you're going to be able to cover everything. And that's the same reason why those academic institutions just, there's no way they can cover absolutely everything. Now, you might be working on a web app that has to work with an old version of IE, let's say. So let's say you have your stack, you know, you're a little bit experienced and you you have to work on this old version, this old, uh, or the, not an old web app, but it's a new web app that has to work on an old version of Internet Explorer. Right there, you're forced to learn. You're forced to learn how to do things the older way. 
You have to learn how to do workarounds. You have to learn how to maybe not use Flexbox at all, let's say. If you only use Flexbox, well, depending on what IE version you're using, you might be out of luck there. And let's say you're using something like Bootstrap. So maybe you're used to, maybe you get used to using Bootstrap 4.0, and then all of a sudden, well, another big release comes out. And let's say Bootstrap 5 comes out or something, and it's time to ditch some of those things that you spent years learning and honing and le- and using, and it's time to embrace those new efficiencies that the new version of Bootstrap brings into play. So even when you're in your own wheelhouse, you might still have, or you will actually, still have to learn new things. You will still be improving over time. All of these examples are learning, but they're not that quote-unquote academic learning that I was stating before. You're not sitting in front of a textbook for months at a time. You're actually building building something, so in this case, building a website, and growing your skills alongside your building of those websites. Now, why should we stop learning? Well, by putting down that textbook, you're opening yourself up to learning the tools of the trade, the way that the professionals actually use those tools in the real world. You'll start generating your own, and I've mentioned this several times throughout other episodes, you'll start generating your own quote-unquote muscle memory when it comes to troubleshooting issues and implementing workarounds for certain browser versions. A really a really good example, I'll, I'll always remember this, is I was working I was working in IT one time, and I was, a, I was just a co-op, and I remember the one guy said, one of the people that we were supporting, said, my uh, computer goes to, like it works fine all morning, and then I put it to sleep. And it, actually, he, I don't even think he actually used that. What he said was, I put it, like I lock it, and I go for lunch for an hour, and I come back, and it just won't wake up. And I have to press and hold the power button, and then it comes back, and then I have to like turn it back on. And so, you know, the first thing you're thinking is like, oh, is it the power supply? Is it Windows? Like, what's going on here? And I remember one of the most experienced guys on the team, just without even like a hesitation, without even a thought, just said, his GPU fans probably failed. And I was like, okay. And the reason why he knew that was because he knew that all the uh, computers would sleep after a certain amount of time. And that time period was under an hour. He knew that it was working all morning and the guy wasn't doing graphically intense tasks. So the computer wasn't shutting down due to overheating. But because that fan wasn't spinning, the temperature was getting high on his GPU. And therefore it would fail to wake up from sleep. And I've actually used that technique to troubleshoot some of those things like over and over and over again. And you might be saying like, well, that's, you know, that's IT, that's simple. Yes, that's true, that's simple, but it's only simple because that guy had experience and he passed that on to me. I would have had to learn that first off. And if I only saw it once, I wouldn't assume that that would be the case across a whole bunch of other tasks, a whole bunch of other similar cases. It would have taken maybe two or three cases before you're like, oh, I guess this is actually a problem. And this same thing can be applied to UI development as well. If you see strange alignments, so a big one I often see and often accidentally do myself is actually if you're using Flexbox, you know that you put in, you put display flex on the parent container and then all the direct children are flex items. Well, because this is CSS, of course, you're going to put wrappers around things. And let's say you put a wrapper around the children. Now your UI is all messed up and you don't know why, but it's because now that wrapper is the only like child. It's the only flex item. And everything that was flex items that was being aligned by your settings for Flexbox are now all over the place. And they're just not being set properly or not being set at all, depending on what settings are on that wrapper. And so you really kind of need to experience that in order to see it. In a textbook, you're going to learn about Flexbox, 
you're going to learn about Flex children and you're going to learn about the direct children, which are the Flex items, but you're not generally going to see a lot in a textbook of how to do things wrong. Like if you have a 100 page textbook, chances are, you know, you're not going to want to have 50% of it be telling you how to do it. And then 50% of it being how, how not to do it or common mistakes. Sure. Some, some textbooks do mention common mistakes, but it certainly isn't a, it certainly isn't a focus of the textbooks, which isn't me like knocking them for it. That absolutely makes sense. You don't want to have half your book be, well, you could mess this up. Well, you could mess this up this way. Well, some people break it this way. Oh, some people do. You don't want that. You don't want to get that all jumbled up in your reading. You want to read how to do it right and then start applying your knowledge. And so that's when you start getting the muscle memory. When you see the problems in the real world, not seeing, you know, the little brief like, hey, quick fact, some people make mistakes and this is often how you fix it. You need to see it in the real world to really see what's going on. Now, one of the hardest things to master can be the scale, actually, of your of your role in a team or of the role that your team plays. So, for example, if you're new to the UI development game and you're presented with a problem to solve, uh, you're going to treat that problem like it's a UI issue when it very well could be a problem that, that back-end developers have to look at. So, obviously, some situations are just cut and dry when it comes to this sort of thing, but it's very easy to get caught up in a complex issue. So for example, if you are, let's say there's just a local database and your UI is supposed to pull in that information and display it nicely. Well, if the database connection is failing, obviously you should know, oh, I got to call the database team. I got to call the, call the backend developer team, whatever it is. I need to call them and they need to fix up, you know, the database connection because something's wrong here, but my UI seems to be functioning fine. However, if it's a complex issue, like let's say everything's populating, but the title and you're not really sure what's going on. And especially if you're new. You might actually overstep. You might overstep by implementing weird workarounds and small hacks to get around whatever the backend developer was actually supposed to fix without you realizing that's what's happening. So a really common example actually is I'll see sometimes a, a flag is supposed to be sent to the UI from a database or from an API and you're just missing it. You're either missing the flag or you're not realizing that it's there. And you're, and realistically, you should have contacted the, the backend developer team for help, but instead you're using weird workarounds. Like I've seen people parse out the title from the byline, cause let's say it's, it's duplicated there and then they display it. So now you got all this extra JS when in reality, it should just be using your API call function and just put it in the title. So it's often really easy to kind of, it's not, you're not like blaming yourself, but you think it's in your wheelhouse. You think in your, you think, oh, my UI developer team, there's something wrong here. And like the UI guys have to take it over when in reality, it's like, whoa, like actually you guys forgot to send a flag. Like the database guys forgot to send a flag or you guys forgot to, you know, add an endpoint to this, this API. And it's, we're not, we're not getting the title, et cetera, et cetera. So it's oftentimes really easy to overstep there. And this sort of situation is especially true if you work for a big company that has many specialized teams. It's easy to leverage another team too much or too little without ever realizing that you're overstepping your role in the project. So oftentimes there are, will be people in a team that will comment, like, let's say you're the UI, de- UI developer team and you will just be, you'll just see a problem. And some guys just always want to, you know, pan it off and be like, no, that's probably the database guys. We got to call the database guys. Other guys will try to do those weird workarounds where they're trying to parse the title instead of just asking the, da- the database guys, Hey, did you guys forget to send over the title in this API or like whatever? It's, it, it's one of those, it's one of those things where you're in this huge company. Each team is very specialized and each team is like a cog in the machine. 
and it's very easy to accidentally overstep without realizing. This is especially true again if you're used to working by yourself or in a small company where multiple hats are worn by just a single person. This guy might be the database guy. He might also help with the with the UI. He might also do some of the UX. And then there's a UX specialist guy, but that guy might also do some accounting, etc. So when you work in those type of environments where you need to be flexible, sometimes you overstep or even understep when you get put into a larger company, larger teams, and multiple teams, you overstep your role as that single cog. Now, this type of experience, the reason why I even bring this thing up, is gained solely by working in the field. This is not something you're going to get out of a textbook. And in reality, oftentimes this type of thing changes per company. Like I said, smaller companies, so startups, will often have you, you know, you're the UI developer, but you might do some of the accounting or something, or you might do some of the the UX, even though they have a UX guy because he was busy doing the accounting that day or something. So it's it's different. It's different per team. It's different per it's different per company size, and it's different per company policy. But you still you still gain experience in oh like I better kind of learn like when you get a new job you might be like oh I need to learn what my like what the scope of my team is I need to know whether I'm overstepping whether I'm annoying the other team by calling them too much I'm engaging them too much etc and those are the type of things that you're not going to get out of a textbook those are the type of things you're only solely going to get out of having experience at a at a particular position now moving on to the next segment here when do I stop learning now if I already mentioned that you should stop quote unquote academic learning when you reach study overload, but this is a bit of an ambiguous statement, of course. So I'm going to kind of deep dive on it here. Now, what I mean by study overload refers to when you've been reading up on a topic and you find yourself figuratively drowning in content. So let's just say UI development again, obviously that's, that's my wheelhouse. So let's say UI development, for example, you could read about how to structure HTML and then read about how to implement CSS to style that HTML. And then you could read about how to control that UI by using JavaScript. After learning these three topics, technically speaking, you're ready to go. You're ready to make all kinds of websites down from the simplest static ones all the way through web apps. But what about all the other ways that you could, all the other ways and methodologies that you could use to make your life easier? Things like Bootstrap or Tailwind, CSS, or even Webflow, the list goes on. Now, I understand Mike and I are purists, but we're also realists. If we got to spin up something quick, sometimes you just got to you gotta use Bootstrap. Sometimes you just got to use Webflow if the customer likes that type of UI. You know, you got to be realistic in some of these situations. So, realistically, if you're, if you're a fan of academic learning, are you just going to read about all of those too? And if you are, are you going to be ready to make any website UI you could ever think of? And when you're tasked with making a website, are you going to know which tool to use? Are you going to know to use the quote-unquote purist stack of HTML, CSS, and JS? Or are you going to know, oh, this would be perfect for Webflow? Or, oh, this would be perfect for Tailwind? Or, oh, maybe we should use Bootstrap here because it's going to make it easier? Are you going to know that stuff without having actual experience? The answer to the question is no, right? You're not going to, you're not going to use, you're not going to be sure, excuse me, what tool to use. You're not going to know, you're not going to have any experience with the stuff. You don't know that Webflow has these strengths and it has these weaknesses. You only know the marketing terms and the documentation terms. You're going, and with all with all that knowledge, all those tools, all those things, you're going to confuse a bunch of those features together because you've never used any of them. So there's no memories connected to them. You don't have a memory of using Webflow for a certain type of website and having it be limited because of this thing. That memory right there lets you know, hey, in the future, if a website 
you know, relies on this feature that's limited in Webflow, maybe we shouldn't do it in Webflow. But you need that memory. You would never know that by just reading the documentation. Never know that. With clear exceptions, obviously, Webflow isn't the greatest, isn't the greatest thing for web apps in my, in my experience. But it could be used for some simple ones. And it could, and it's certainly really good for, for quickly setting things up. And it's certainly very good for quickly changing templates and having things be very accessible. But if the company that you're working for is really experienced in WordPress, maybe you want to use that. But like, all of this is all over the place. That's what I'm trying to get at. You've read about all this, but you've never used any of this. You don't know that WordPress is kind of hard to change. You don't know that WordPress is hard to change those themes. You don't have a memory associated with that. You don't have that muscle memory. You don't know that. So you need to kind of expand beyond the academic learning and you need to really dive in to, okay, let's start using WordPress for this. Oh, damn, this isn't that great. You know, uh, like this customer really wanted to have a bunch of customization. This isn't good. Or wow, WordPress is great. This customer wanted to have their own, their own podcast website. I found a plugin that pulls from their RSS feed and bang, all of their posts are automatically posted. The customer only posts to their podcast service and their website automatically populates. That's fantastic. And now you have that knowledge. Hey, now I can make a podcast website with this, et cetera, et cetera. Like the list goes on, right? And let's be serious here. Even if you narrow it down, even if you narrow down your academic learning, you narrow it down to just HTML, CSS, and JS, the purest stack, let's say. This is a big undertaking. Like, it, it's not a joke. There are a ton of CSS properties to remember. This is on top of HTML, which is, you know, relatively simple to be fair. But this is on top of HTML. And even more, it's on top of JavaScript. JavaScript methodologies are complex and numerous. And there's jQuery and everything else to consider. There's a lot going on there. You are never, you are never going to remember how JavaScript functions work, for example, if you just read up on HTML, CSS, and JS all together, all at once. Someone comes up to you and says, let's make a JavaScript function. You're going to be like, make a what? Or you're going to be like, oh, I think I read about that. It's like a repeatable piece of code, but I have no idea how that works or what should be in there or like how to declare a variable. Like you're going to be all screwed up, right? You don't, it's just too much. So I'm going to talk about the flip side here. So in my opinion, the best thing you can do, okay, is read up. So I'm, you know, I'm condoning academic learning here. I'm saying that what you can do, the best thing you can do is read up on the foundational knowledge only at first. So let's say in this case, you read up on HTML and CSS, and that allows you to put some colors and alignments on a page. Okay. So now you start building out the project. You start messing around. You're adding colors, your background colors, you're moving stuff left and right. You're centering things, et cetera, et cetera. But then obviously as you move on, you're going to want more complex things. You're going to want more complex options for layouts. You're going to want responsivity. So you're going to hit a wall. You're going to be like, whoa, I don't really know what to do here. You're going to have no idea how to start. So you'll dive right back into reading. Okay. On how to implement responsivity with things, let's say like Flexbox and other methods, your creation process, okay, should drive your academic learning. You hit a wall, you start reading up on it, then you start implementing. You'll read up on just enough in this case to start implementing the layout the way you want. So maybe you'll start using Flexbox and you'll realize you'll have things that are stacking vertically on phones and then that'll be more horizontal on on like larger screens, like on desktops and stuff like that. But you'll read up just enough to get to start putting that stuff into practice. And then and then you'll have the layout the way you want. 
right? You'll le- you'll learn just enough to be like, okay, I need this left aligned, I need this top, I need this down, whatever. And you'll put that right into practice right away. And automatically you have a memory associated with it. You have work experience with it. And you're going to slowly do the same thing. You're going to do a basic layout with Flexbox. And then slowly as projects or that project grows or changes, or you want to make it different, you're going to be like, hmm, how do I make this stack differently? How do I use the justification content uh, property? How do I do the align items? Like, how do I align these things? How does this work? How do I make it centered? Do I need floats? Like, you're going to ask those questions and you're going to hit a wall. You're going to go to W3 schools or something else. You're going to read up on it, watch a YouTube video on it, and then you're going to start to implement. And immediately you're going to start seeing it for yourself, figuring it out for yourself. This same process can be applied throughout learning UI development. Eventually, let's say you're going to add buttons. So let's say those buttons are going to hide and show elements. Very common thing. Or you want, let's say you click a button and like the title moves from the left to the right or something. So then you're going to start learning about, let's say, CSS animations and transitions. You know about CSS, you're going to start learning. How do I move stuff around with CSS? But then you're going to learn, hey, wait a second. You know, I, I can actually get more functionality by using something called JavaScript. And you're going to start learning about JavaScript and how to address things and how to quote unquote grab things from the DOM and move them from the left to the right. And you're going to learn how to do that with like complements of CSS. Like oftentimes with, J- with JavaScript, especially when you're setting, or especially when you're controlling UI elements, you are setting CSS uh, properties, but in JavaScript, right? How would you know what to set? And how would you know what properties to set, move, change, add in JavaScript if you didn't know CSS? And you wouldn't know this and you wouldn't get this if you just read it all. You read HTML, CSS, JS all together and it's just this big jumbled mess in your head. You're going to like panic. Like you're going to start to freak out. You're going to be like, oh my God, there's so much more to learn. Like, oh my God, what do I do here? What you do here is start getting some payoff, start implementing those things you've learned, start messing around with it and read as you need. Use examples, use Stack Overflow, use use other people's problems and etc. You're going to get better at searching, which is a major tool that of the trade. You're going to get better at searching things up. You're going to you're going to get some good resources. You're going to know what to read up on. You're going to start developing that muscle memory. You're going to have a payoff at the end of the day. You're going to see a web page that you built and you're going to be like picky about it. You're going to want to, ex- you're going to want to fix it up. You're going to want to enhance it. You're going to want to make it better. You're going to want to make it more responsive, etc., etc., etc. This is extremely crucial because if you're reading for a month at a time and you have nothing to show for it, and then someone asks you a basic question in, about HTML and you completely forget because that was your first week of reading and you don't remember now, that is no good. Like that is no good. And so you're going to get discouraged. You're not going to know what to do. You're not going to, you're, you're, you're going to worry about it and that's no good. And so that's what I'm trying to get at is use academic learning, leverage it when you need to, but keep the experience up and have a payoff at the end of the day by actually producing a cool product, a cool website. And you'll see that and you'll want to make it better. If you just see examples in a textbook, you don't care about those examples. You didn't build that. It wasn't even your idea. You don't have any investment in that. But if it's your brand or your website or your your portfolio site is a common first or close to first project and you want your portfolio to look good and you want people to see what you've done and you want to have stuff to put in your portfolio, you're going to put a lot of work into that and you're going to really want to use it. You're going to really want to do it. So here's here's a rule of thumb. 
okay? If you're looking at a problem and you don't know where to start at all, start reading up on it. If you have a bit of a clue, either start researching that specific thing, so you've already got a bit of a head start, or get coding and see how far you get and research as needed. One of the biggest things that I've, that, or one of the, the, not the biggest things, but one of the projects that pointed this out to me the most in school, actually, back in college, was we did very, very, very basic things in MATLAB. That's a mathematical calculation program. We did very basic things in MATLAB in class. And what happened was we learned like, like what happened was, is we learned the basics of everything. We learned like you could make a, make a, you could make a UI. You could make a, you know, you can make a UI. You can make buttons. You can make this control this. You can make this control that, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Like you can do all this stuff. But like again, start getting a little bit of overload. You know, you don't really know how to do all the mathematical functions. You know about buttons, but you don't know how to really control them that well. You've only done it once, et cetera. And so at the end of one of our projects, it was called our TR, our technical report project. It's the big, like beyond year end, it's the big, like, here's the end of your three, four year course. Do this big project. It's a culmination of everything. I had to make this big MATLAB script that pulled information from a file. Never did that. It had to then create a graph. And I, I had never done that type of graph before. And it had to like show like a data table and then it had to be printable. So it had to like get rid of all the UI elements that you wouldn't need to see. Like the, the buttons don't work in a print, like a, in a piece of paper. So I had to like hide those and like make it presentable to print. And I did that in one night by using those basic pieces of knowledge. I didn't dive into the textbook and I said, okay, I need to create a button or I need to, to read from a file. How do I do that? And I just looked it up and I pulled up the MATLAB documentation and I just kept pulling up articles over and over and over again whenever I needed to read about it. Oh, this is how you pull an art, pull in a text file. Okay. This is how you parse the text file. Okay. Keep going and going and going four hours later. And it was just four hours later. Fully functional script. I don't remember even manipulating it really. Teacher was impressed. No big deal. Like done. Like, like it was good enough. It was, I got a hundred percent on that part of the project. Done deal. And that's like a huge payoff. I could have spent two, three, four more, more hours reading up on each of those pieces and had no payoff. Would have had to spend another four plus hours actually building the thing. No, I knew the basics from our program. And then I said, okay, I'm going to take those basics and expand on it, but I'm just going to have the manual or the documentation in this case right beside me. And it was a huge help. And that was the first time I realized, hey, let, you know, actually implementing this stuff with minimal academic, you know, quote unquote academic learning, as I'm referring to it with minimal academic learning is actually really helpful. It's actually super helpful. And this is a huge payoff for me. So that's that that's why I'm kind of more passionate about this is that I realize that this stuff is like think about it this way think about it this way you're doing something digitally okay and a lot of the time people are afraid to make mistakes they want to read up on everything because they want to be able to dive in and just do it and first off you're not going to be able to do that you're going to be slower than everybody else you're going to mess things up and so as my as my team uh would know I I'm learning uh, a CMS called Typo or Typo 3. I've broke that thing like three times. And I've messed things up and I've cleared things I wasn't supposed to and everything else. Because I just dive right in there and just get going. And right now, what happened? Nothing. But I'm on day three, I think. Day two or three 
of not breaking a single thing on typo. I'm starting to get it. I'm starting to put the pieces together. I'm starting to be able to move things around. I'm starting to use, I think their language is called fluid. I'm starting to be able to use fluid. Or maybe it's called TypoScript. I can't remember now. But I'm using, like, their language. Like, I'm see, I'm still learning, clearly. I'm still learning that stuff. But the point of the matter is, I have a website that already has a homepage. And I'm, I've already finished, like, the beta, like, version of a button click for this, like, responsive thing. And I have, like, a slider installed. And yes, I had to get help along the way. But, like, if a client were to ask me, I could at least send him a screenshot of the homepage. And I could at least show him, hey, look, we have like a like an uploading system for your pictures. And hey, look, we have like a blog system for this. And hey, look, we can put on this new content and all this content's dynamic. So you could start sending me more stuff and you could start log like you could worst case log in and actually change some of this. Like th- there is a payoff here, even though I broke it and it's a pain in the ass. Just do it. Just go. Who cares? And that's sort of what I'm trying to drive home here because I used to always be super timid, be worried about everything. You're working on something digitally and it's not in production. So who the hell cares if it's in production? Yeah, it's serious, you know, and other careers are obviously serious, like medical stuff. It's like, you don't really want to be practicing on a live human, obviously. But when you're, when we're talking about UI development, what are you going to do? Accidentally break your title? Who cares? Like, just move on. Like, just don't worry about it. Just freaking fix it and move the heck on and just get going. So with that being said, before I, or to end my rant, This last segment here is, is academic learning bad? And academic learning absolutely 100% has its place in learning anything. I'm not saying not to read up on things or to avoid textbooks. I'm not saying to, I'm what I'm sorry. I'm not saying to not read up on things or to avoid textbooks. I'm actually saying to not overuse them. If you get stuck reading up on any given topic, you'll get overwhelmed and you'll start forgetting things that you read. Can you imagine, can you imagine right now, and and I can't even imagine this, can you imagine being like not knowing anything about web development and diving into WordPress right now, but not doing anything with it? Like just build, just reading all the documentation about all, and all the plugins and all kinds of stuff that you might be using in, in WordPress. Can you imagine doing that? That is a hell of a lot of plugins. That's a lot of, that's a lot of knowledge. That's a lot of stuff that you're going to forget. It's a big freaking mess. You might use like templates that are pre-built. You might make your own templates. You're not going to remember how to make those templates because you read up about plugins after it. It's going to be a mess. You're going to get overwhelmed and you're going to get, you're going to just start forgetting things and jumbling them all up. Now this is compiling on top of the fact that you haven't built anything with your skills. So now you have a head full of knowledge that you're not sure how to put into practice with nothing to show for it at the end of the day, except for fatigue and feeling overwhelmed. And now you're going to be discouraged and you're not even going to want to start on that website because you're going to be like, well, do I use WordPress? Do I use a pre-built theme? Do I use C- like, do I use CSS? Do I like, like, what do I use? Like, I'm, I'm all confused. Like, do I use HTML here? Like, what do I do here? Do, do I use pre-built stuff? Like, do I use Wix? <laughs> like, like, what do you use? And you're going to be all over the place. Now, There is a reason here, okay, and even in the academic system, in our school system, there is a reason why math class, especially here in Canada and our experience, has such a small amount of learning each day and then a whole bunch of practice questions to to back it up. Because if you just read the entire math textbook, you're not going to remember anything but the last few chapters that you read with no experience implementing any of it. And you're going to forget the first few chapters, which are the building blocks that led you to those chapters that you remember. And now you have no math knowledge about any of this crap that you just read. 
You're going to know how to like do the last thing kind of, but you're not going to know how to do the first few steps. And it's going to be a huge mess. You're not going to be able to do any of the application questions. It like, those are like real world math questions. Like it's, it's going to be a mess for you. And so what I'm saying is, is don't overuse the textbook and really just, I really want to drive this home. Don't overuse the textbook, but have it there. And that, that, that also applies to documentation. Have that documentation there for you and refer to it when you hit a wall. When you don't hit a wall, just, just move on. Another thing I want to mention too, and this is kind of an aside, is don't worry about doing the most efficient thing for anything. Now, when I say that, people are already going to have their pitchforks ready. They're going to be like, well, this is why websites run like crap. What I'm saying is, is yes, if you make a website, you're a newbie and you make a website and it's heavy and it loads like crap, absolutely research and try to, you know, make that website more efficient. Make sure that its page rank is a higher grade, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Don't, don't, don't leave it. Don't leave it as, well, this was my newbie project. It's just going to be garbage, but also don't try to perfect it. If you make a website that a customer or yourself is happy with, it loads fast and it's and it's page, is it page rank or page speed? I always forget. I believe it might be page speed. Let me just look this up right now before I forget. Right, page speed, sorry. So like, like make sure that your, your, and this is page speed insights by Google. Make sure that your, that your page speed is a good, is a good, like speed. Make sure that you don't have really bad mobile performance or really bad desktop performance because you're loading these absolutely massive things. Like I'm looking right here that you can have a red rank from zero to 49, a, a yellow rank or an orange rank from 50 to 89, and then a green rank from 90 to a hundred. Like you can go in here and you can take a look and get your rating up. And it tells you, Hey, Maybe you should load this web font this differently. Hey, maybe you should serve images in new formats. Hey, maybe you should do this. And hey, you passed in these areas. Like this is this is the stuff that you're going to learn. This is the stuff that you're going to learn through experience. But what I'm trying to drive home is I don't want people, and I do see people doing this, where they start front-end development and then they start to panic. Like, oh my God, there's also Bootstrap and Tailwind. And then there's also jQuery. So should I be using JavaScript? Maybe I should look up about jQuery. And like, but maybe this is more efficient if I use this with this library. Like maybe I should have a library loading my pictures, but then that's not the most efficient way to do this. But like, maybe I should have a Lightbox. but should I do it with just CSS and like a little bit of JS or should I download a Lightbox plugin? Like, what do I do? And there comes a point where you're in this analysis paralysis, if you will, where you're just, just make it good enough. And the next project you make is going to be better. Don't get, don't just sit there and get all muddled up about what's the most efficient way to do things. I'm telling you right now, our stock photo website, Free Photos Hamilton, is going to, would be, or it like doesn't doesn't load that quickly. Let's just be, let's just be serious. It hasn't loaded that quickly. I didn't do it in the most efficient way, but it served its purpose. I learned a bunch about WordPress during it. I, uh, we got a little bit of publicity from it, a little bit of local publicity from it, and then that's it. And it's just a resource there that we built, whatever. And we've used it for testing here and there as well. It served its purpose. Is it the best stock photo website ever? No. If I were to build it now, would I do it differently? Yeah. How much differently? Probably a lot. <laughs> There's a lot of efficiencies that could be done. I would do it. I'd, I'd probably like just rip it completely down and start redoing it because of the amount of knowledge I learned, but it was a stepping stone. So remember that whatever you're building now is a stepping stone for what you're going to build in the future. And not every project's going to turn out perfect. It just has to be good enough and like presentable 
and improve it to a point, but don't overthink. Don't start making it in Bootstrap and then rip it all out and start making it in Tailwind CSS. That's ridiculous. Bootstrap is a standard in the industry. Just use freaking Bootstrap. Even if Tailwind was going to load faster for you and you realize that halfway through, just freaking use Bootstrap to the end. Now you know how to use Bootstrap and then you can just move on. <laughs> like just move on and go and use Tailwind. So I understand this is like a bit bit of a ranty episode, um, but this is something I'm a little bit, a little bit passionate about because I was always sort of very timid with changing things um, and worrying about making mistakes. And now that uh, Mike and I run our own thing, I'm not worried about like, oh my God, like what happens if I like lose 10 marks because I made a mistake? Like who cares? Like what's going to happen to me? Is my team going to yell at me because I broke typo? Maybe. Oh well, move on. <laughs> like who cares? Like that that's the worst case scenario. Like someone's going to be like, you idiot. And no one's done that. But someone's going to be like, you idiot, you messed this up. Take your backups and just just start building. Just start building something. Now, I'm going to conclude this episode, but of course, uh, I want to, want to make a, a big thanks to our sponsor for this episode. And that sponsor is uh, the One Membership by Template Monster. One Membership, your ultimate web development kit. This includes WordPress and CMS themes, e-commerce themes, powerful plugins, presentation templates, diverse graphics, unlimited installations, 24-7 technical support, and one year of free hosting. Use our link, tinyurl.com slash HTML all the things, and our unique promo code, which gives you 10% off. That's HTML all the things 10. All of this will be in our show notes. Please note that we do receive a monetary kickback for any purchases made using our link and promo code. And of course, thank you for listening. And make sure you don't miss an episode by subscribing on the platform of your choice. You can follow us on the socials. That that's at HTML all the things. That's on Facebook and Instagram. You can also follow us on Twitter. That's at HTML everything. We're on Medium and we're on GitHub and we're also on Patreon. That's Patreon.com/slash/HTML all the things. Check out the tiers. Give that a go. And many thanks to our three dollar tier patrons. That's Sean from RabbitWorks JavaScript. Find him at YouTube.com/slash/RabbitWorks JavaScript. Garrick from Local Path Computing and Web Design. Find him at localpathcomputing.com. Craig, a.k.a. Cosworth. Ryan Gatchel from Blue Black Digital. Find him at blueblackdigital.com. Chris from Selfmade Web Designer. Find him at selfmadewebdesigner.com. And Tim from The Web Hacker. Find him at thewebhacker.com. Feel free to leave a comment or a review on the platform that you're listening to this on. And we are signing off. <laughs>